Oh, I did it. I did it. I got into NBA pickums. I did it. Do I understand the NBA like I understand the NFL? No. Do I care when I'm on underdog and I'm taking the overs and unders on my favorite NBA players? No. Underdogfantasy.com, underdogfantasy.com, promo code underworld, promo code underworld. First time depositors can put down up to $100 and get a one for one match on that initial deposit. Underdog Fantasy, promo code underworld. We're making this guitar cry. The last waiver wired show of the year. We're wavered, man. We're wired for the final show. The final show of 2021. And it's apropos that the priority ad would be Wayne Gallman, right? Isn't that just perfect? That the guy that we're staring at on the waiver wire right now is Wayne Gallman. Doesn't that just say it all? Doesn't that say it all? And, and it's not Ramadre Stevenson, by the way. But no one's in leagues with Ramadre Stevenson available. I looked. I have to be able to find a player available in at least one serious league. One legitimate fantasy league. And once Damian Harris was ruled out and Ramadre Stevenson was ruled in, every legitimate league saw Ramadre Stevenson rostered. So get out of here with Ramadre. How much do I bid on Ramadre Stevenson? The answer is get in a more competitive league. You should have picked him up last week. If you don't have him now, you don't deserve him. And you just got the big boom performance last week. Now you're point chasing. In a week where Damian Harris is probably going to be back. And Damian Harris is better than Ramadre Stevenson. So you had a week where Damian Harris was concussed. And most concussions result in a missed game. A single missed game. Ramadre Stevenson gave you the 100 yards and two touchdowns. Best case scenario. Actually, he exceeded best case scenario because he not only gave you 100 yards and two touchdowns, he also caught four passes for however many yards that is. Doesn't matter. 14 yards? Don't care. That's an additional five fantasy points. Five and a half fantasy points. That's pretty much a touchdown. He pretty much went for 103 touchdowns if you expected him to give you nothing in the passing game. And, and, and these suckers, these suckers in the chat think that Ramadre Stevenson, the slug that is Ramadre Stevenson, is better than Damian Williams. <laughs> right? Damian Williams established himself as a workhorse in New England. Prior to that, he outtouched Josh Jacobs at Alabama and was the Alabama workhorse, then became the New England workhorse, and has demonstrated competency in every phase of the game. Ramadre Stevenson had a week, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's, that's fantasy gamers for you. Oh, whatever the guy did last week nullifies everything the other guy did for his entire football career, right? Like, just cancel Damian Harris and elevate into heaven Ramadre Stevenson. Hall of Fame. 
Right, Ramadre Stevenson, Hall of Famer. Right, let's just get it over with. Let's vote him in now. He had a week. Let's vote him in. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, God. It shocks me. It always shocks me when I look up and I see fans of this show, members of this audience, having no perspective. It's just disappointing. It's shocking and disappointing. You would think that these people would have been weeded out over time. They have to be weeded out over time. So that means, by definition, those that are touting Ramadre Stevenson and running victory laps run that, that, that Ramadre Stevenson week 10 performance. I mean, yes, great. Of course you started him. Sure, you picked him up and started him if he was available. Everyone did. Like, what do you want, a cookie? What do you think that tells us about you? Tells us absolutely nothing. Tells us that you know how to make the obvious move and get the expected result. Good for you. Good for you. You, you. you want something more? You want more credit than that? Well, you don't deserve it. If you drafted Damian Harris three years ago and maintained conviction that he's good at football and he's eventually going to be the workhorse in New England and you enjoyed all those fantasy points that Damian Harris has delivered in Dynasty in 2021, those people deserve to be applauded. Not those streaming Ramadre Stevenson because no one else was paying attention in their league. Big deal. Just starting off killing people. Feels so good. Feels so good to destroy. To destroy the hopes and dreams of those that, that drafted Ramadre Stevenson in Dynasty. Oh, I'm on to something. Oh, I got something here. Oh, this guy's going to be the workhorse in New England for the next five years. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be Mac Jones sharing a backfield with Ramadre Stevenson in 2025. Oh, I, I hit it out of the park with my third or fourth round Dynasty rookie draft pick. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm here to soak a blanket and just smother that flame. The Ramadre Stevenson zealots, they want to light a bonfire and just dance around into the night and... The pod father runs the fire department in the campground. <laughs> campground fire department coming over to extinguish all the enthusiasm. Ramadre Stevenson's not good. And if you think he's good, you're a sucker. That's it. That's all. Now, Dante Foreman, on the other hand, Dante Foreman is better than Ramadre Stevenson. You're like, oh, one guy has dreadlocks. The other guy has dreadlocks. One guy's 230 pounds. The other guy's 230 pounds. It's just that Stevenson didn't rupture his Achilles. So he's probably more explosive at this point than Dante Foreman. See, no. See, that's not true. This is why we have player profilers. So you can see, oh, wow, Dante Foreman actually has a 112.6 speed score. 112.6 speed score is 94th percentile. This guy has incredible explosiveness, especially for a 235-pound running back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. Ramadre Stevenson runs like a 4-6-8. That explosive differential is a chasm. And I'm not sorry. And I'm not affected by how explosive a player might have looked on tape from last week. What matters is what's measurable. That's what matters. And that's why Dante Foreman is the primary waiver wire ad for this week. He's a significantly more attractive player for the rest of the season than Wayne Gallman. And Wayne Gallman's on the Falcons 
And Cordero Patterson suffered a high ankle sprain. It could be a mild high ankle sprain. He's going to be back for the fantasy playoffs. So I'm trying to get Cordero Patterson. If I know my team is going to make the playoffs, then I want Cordero Patterson for that fantasy playoff run. He's the best running back on Atlanta. It's not Wayne Gallman. Whatever you were bidding on Eno Benjamin last week after Chase Edmonds went down, you want to bid less on Wayne Gallman after Cordero Patterson went down. Because, oh, well, the Falcons showed their hand. They definitely want Wayne Gallman as their primary starter, not Mike Davis. Maybe. I've been fooled by extrapolating a single-game snap share. I don't know exactly why Mike Davis was seemingly phased out, but I'm going to wait and see before I empty the rest of my fab budget on Wayne Gallman. Now, if both Davis and Patterson were hurt, that would be one thing, right? Okay, he's the clear primary back moving forward for at least the next three weeks. It's going to be Wayne Gallman, but I don't know. I'm preparing myself to look up and Wayne Gallman to be getting a 50% opportunity share and Mike Davis to be getting a 45% opportunity share and they call up Kadre Olison right now. Now Kadre Olison's getting a bunch of touches. He's a breather back. It's like, wait, what? Wayne Gallman's not special. Wayne Gallman has below average athleticism across the board. He's just going to check the box as a starting running back in the NFL, maybe. We're not even sure who's going to start. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe Mike Davis was banged up and he's going to be healthy for week 11. I have no idea why the Falcons decided to turn to Wayne Gallman last week as opposed to Mike Davis. It could have been the fact that they were getting blown out and they knew they weren't going to win. Maybe that was the reason. I don't know. I just don't know. And I don't see a measurable difference, something measurable (laughs) to make a decision based on between Mike Davis and Wayne Gallman. I just don't see the difference. These are the same exact dude. Same guy. In fact, you were stashing Wayne Gallman in very deep leagues because he was equivalent to Mike Davis. That was the whole thesis behind stashing Wayne Gallman in very deep leagues. But that doesn't mean you actually start him in shallower, more traditional leagues. There's definitely better options available. I mean, if you're at that place where you're considering starting Wayne Gallman, then it's probably over. You're probably toast, right? Dante Foreman's a different story. Dante Foreman's on a playoff team. They're 8-2. and two. This is a team with a run-first identity, and he actually has explosiveness, and that explosiveness was showing up last weekend in the passing game, in the screen game. Dante Foreman was showing off that speed and burst, which is awesome which is exactly what you want to see. And his competition is the clearly and definitively washed Adrian Peterson. So we have the Titans are a better team than the Falcons. Okay? Number one. Number two, Dante Foreman, clearly more explosive than Wayne Gallman. Number three, the difference between Foreman and Peterson is much greater than the difference between Gallman and Davis. Check, check, check. Prioritize Foreman over Gallman. That's the big question, right? We're in the final throws of waiver wire season. And this is the ultimate death rattle week for the waiver wire when we're debating Gallman versus Foreman. 
I mean, think about how depressing this is that I actually have to do this show. I have to sit here and debate this with you people while you're shooting off fireworks, celebrating Ramadre Stevenson, the most obvious streamer running back of the year. Wow, you're so smart, everybody. Pat yourself on the back one more time, will ya? Meanwhile, those of us that actually picked up Dante Foreman last week are better positioned moving forward to have an asset we can start week in, week out and expect production, expect touchdowns to be scored by one of the better offenses in the AFC, a team that's going to be facing Jacksonville and Houston in the coming weeks. They're going to have to grind a lot of clock with Dante Foreman. If I'm the Titans coaches, that's the plan. Get up to a lead on Jacksonville and on Houston and just feed Foreman. How many quarters is Atlanta going to be leading the rest of the way? And yet I see, oh, number one waiver claim this week, Wayne Gallman. Why? Oh, total carries. <laughs> We're higher than Dante Foreman last week. That's all we need to see. Pretend player profiler doesn't exist. And if Eno Benjamin's out there, I'm still I'm still stashing Eno Benjamin because Eno Benjamin is a better receiver than than James Conner. But oh, but James Conner had more catches, more targets. Maybe. Okay? That was one week. We'll see. But I doubt that that continues. My expectation is that in the next week or two, you'll see Eno Benjamin take over that Chase Edmonds role one for one. And then Chase Edmonds will return. They delayed putting Chase Edmonds on IR for a couple days. They could have put him right on IR on Monday, but they waited until midweek to put Chase Edmonds on the three-week IR, which tells me that his high ankle sprain was not the most serious and severe high ankle sprain that a running back could suffer. The Jerry Judy high ankle sprain was as bad as it gets. You watch that, and you, you can't believe his leg didn't just break in half. That's a serious high ankle sprain. What Chase Edmonds experienced was not. I think it was a medium severity high ankle sprain. So there's a chance, a good chance, he's back within three or four weeks. But we still have a few weeks of Eno Benjamin as a productive member of the Cardinals offense. That's worth stashing because Chase Edmonds could experience a setback. If for no, if for no other reason than that. Then you have Eno Benjamin as a, a, a critical member of this offense for the fantasy playoffs. And I expect the targets to rise over the next couple of weeks for Eno Benjamin. But this is it. I mean, what else? Are you, who else? What else? What, what are you going to do? Who are you going to stash who? Jeff Wilson? Okay. A pure handcuff like Marlon Mack? Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm stashing Marlon Mack. Because if Jonathan Taylor sprains a toe, I will be beside myself. Because Mike Randall and I are in a high-stakes dynasty league, and we're now within 10 points of the leader, and we have Jonathan Taylor, and we have Jamar Chase, and A.J. Brown, and T.J. Hawkinson, and Hertz, and Cousins, in a super flex league. It's great. We're doing great. The team is surging, but it, the success of that team hinges now on Jonathan Taylor. So we want Marlon Mack. I'm pursuing Marlon. I'm trying to trade for Marlon Mack. Of course I am. It would be irresponsible not to. If the future and the likely championship hinges on the health of the Colts starting running back, that's when you want to roster the handcuff. You don't want to draft Marlon Mack in the summer. You don't need to pick up Marlon Mack early in the season. But once you know that what you have is a championship caliber team and you're in first or second place, 
you're highly incentivized to go get Marlon Mack. It would be irresponsible not to. That would be like driving a car without car insurance. If by week 11, you didn't go try to get Marlon Mack if you have Jonathan Taylor and you're a contender. Jamar Jefferson looked good. Jamar Jefferson better than Trey Sermon. I mean, this was our position before the NFL draft that Jamar Jefferson's just a better running back. I had a summit with Cody Carpentier, Ray Garvin, and they insisted Jamar Jefferson's simply a better running back than Trey Sermon. And now we're looking up and who's more productive? Oh, Jamar Jefferson! Both as a runner and a receiver. And Matt Breida had two touchdowns. So Matt Breida is a stash player where another injury befalls Zach Moss. Matt Breida is going to be a featured weapon for one of the most prolific offenses in the AFC. And Devin Singletary has been active in the passing game as well. If something happens to Devin Singletary, he he sprains a toe. Then Matt Breida moves into that role. I don't think Zach Moss would necessarily command any more targets if something happens to Devin Singletary. I think that satellite back plus role would then shift to Matt Breida. I like stashing Matt Breida right now. But this is where we are. It's week 11. This is it. This is what we're looking at. It's such a pathetic pool of talent that we have available to us. Remember remember week one, week two, week three, surfing through the free agent pool. Oh, I could do this guy. This guy's explosive. Oh, this guy's got an all-purpose skill set. Oh, what if something happens to this guy? Oh, man, this guy could be awesome. This guy could be great. Now we're talking ourselves into Matt Breida. It's where we are, but I think he's worth stashing. I do, genuinely. And the wide receivers to target on the waiver wire brought to you by our sponsor, Boners. <laughs> yes! Blue Chew is back! Because everybody could use a little extra confidence. Why not? Right? Why not? I've always wondered, what's in Viagra? What's in Cialis? Right? I can't believe this is stigmatized given that Pfizer of all companies makes Viagra. It shouldn't be. No one should be embarrassed, but they are. That's why BlueChew.com delivers to your door as soon as you've consulted with one of their licensed medical providers. Ship it directly to your door in discreet package, and then you'll realize very quickly there's nothing sexier, fellas, than that extra confidence when it counts. BlueChew.com, promo code PODFATHER. BlueChew.com, promo code PODFATHER. Get your Blue Chew in the mail. Tear open that package. And get to work. And I love seeing our top suggested wide receiver ads. So on social media, we put our top suggestions on the waiver wire. Foreman over Gallman. And at wide receiver, it's wide open. It's much more wide open. Like everyone's deciding between Foreman and Gallman. But at wide receiver, I see varying opinions. Like, oh, you got to go get Donovan Peoples-Jones after a down week. He's going to get dropped. Okay, good plan, right? Got to get Josh Reynolds before he gets established as the number one in Detroit. Could be a week away from being the primary wide receiver in that passing game. The first read for Jared Goff. You want that guy. That guy's not available on waivers. Well, he is, actually. See? He is. You could go take the speculative play in Josh Reynolds. Oh, maybe, maybe he's the primary read for Jared Goff as early as week 11. Or... You could take the actual primary read, which is Brian Edwards in Las Vegas or Traquan Smith in New Orleans. Just based on role, 
you want Traquan Smith because Traquan Smith dominated the snaps and the route running in Week 10. They're phasing out Marquez Callaway and phasing in Traquan Smith as the team's alpha. And he's more versatile. That's the reason why. Traquan can play inside. He can play outside. Double moves. He's a great blocker. He's on the field a lot. And he has big play potential. We have weeks where Traquan Smith has three catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns. And so does Donovan Peoples-Jones. These are similar players, except there is no Jarvis Landry or Austin Hooper, David Njoku hogging targets in New Orleans. The number one receiver is actually Alvin Kamara. But after Alvin Kamara, it's Traquan Smith. But because of Alvin Kamara and because the schedule is more brutal, especially when you look at the cornerback wide receiver matchups moving forward, it's not as friendly for Traquan Smith as it is for Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards is the first read because he's the the outside X receiver, and if he somehow shakes free, they're going to throw to him, but they don't often throw to him. The target share for Brian Edwards is still muted. Hunter Renfro is the target leader. Then it's Waller, then it's Edwards. But you like that it's been consolidated. You want passing games to consolidate around three guys. Because as long as there's three guys, two of them can have boom weeks every week. Right? The best example of this is in Tampa, where all three can have boom weeks the same week when they're healthy. But otherwise, like you love what you have in San Francisco, where it's just Ayuk, Samuel, and Kittle. Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk. That's it, and that is all. There's no one else that they care to throw to. That's perfect. So you know, in any given week, you're going to get touchdowns from Samuel and Kittle one week, Kittle and Ayuk the next week. We're starting to see that now in Las Vegas, where they're not using the running backs heavily in the passing game. Sure, a few dump-offs to Josh Jacobs, a little bit of Kenyon Drake sprinkled in, but it's Waller, it's Renfro, it's Edwards. Zay Jones is a distant third receiver, and while the target share does not show Brian Edwards' role growing post-Henry Ruggs, the air yard share does. The air yards are skewing more to Brian Edwards, where Henry Ruggs was hogging some of those air yards no longer. And that's why Brian Edwards continues to put up big yardage numbers and then last week scores the touchdown. There's a reason why Brian Edwards had one of the highest breakout ratings on the Breakout Finder app in the App Store of any wide receiver in that 2020 class. He was a dominant college receiver with size, and he did it at a very early age. So there's very few receivers that have the age-adjusted college dominance that Brian Edwards posted. And that's the most predictive of future success, of future breakouts. Then the guy starts posting these big yardage numbers and starts hogging the air yards, and you wonder, you wonder how anyone saw that he would break out. Oh, you well, we saw it. Okay, we saw the Brian Edwards breakout coming. So he's our number one priority ad on the waiver wire this week, as he has been most weeks. Just maintain the faith. Keep the candle burning for Brian Edwards, and then he delivered. In week 10, give you 15-plus fantasy points. You're welcome. And then last week, we predicted that Traquan Smith would go boom. And what did Traquan Smith do? He went boom. Well, not boom, boom. He went just boom. No boom, boom. Maybe soon we'll get a boom, boom week from Traquan Smith. Oh, boom, boom week. Over 100 yards and a touchdown. Ooh, that's a boom, boom week. He just went boom last week. Oh, could go boom, boom. 
Third priority's got to be Donovan Peoples-Jones just because we we gravitate to the athletes. Size, speed, and the only other receivers in this Cleveland passing game are tight ends and slot receivers. Rashard Higgins and Jarvis Landry. Who cares? Who cares? The only receiver in this passing game I give a shit about is Donovan Peoples-Jones. And you're surprised when he doesn't produce against... The New England secondary just manhandles ex-receivers. If you were Bill Belichick, you looked at the Browns, you said, listen, <laughs> they got Dernis Johnson and Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. It's a joke. It's a joke. They have no explosiveness whatsoever. The only player that can hurt us with big plays is Donovan Peoples-Jones. We're going to snuff him out. Let the rest of those plotters and possession players try to beat us, and they couldn't. They got blown out. But Donovan Peoples-Jones is poised for a bounce-back week. Go get him. Now, he's likely rostered in most legitimate leagues, so wait for him to be dropped. Even in legitimate leagues, he's going to be dropped after the dud performance. That's when you go scoop him. James Washington could be dropped. Oh, James Washington, we're going to get him for week 10, but maybe Chase Claypool comes back. No! Make Chase Claypool prove that he's healthy. He's week to week. That means month to month. Week to week is month to month. I'm expecting Chase Claypool to miss four weeks. Don't be surprised when we look up midweek and we see, oh, Chase Claypool's on the IR. That's three consecutive weeks at least where you can start James Washington. He even got you the touchdown without Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger returns. I want James Washington. If it were just this week, I would rather have James Washington over almost any of these other wide receivers. But what about Marcus Johnson? Yeah, Marcus Johnson's cool. Marcus Johnson's an athlete, and for whatever reason, the NFL does not respect Marcus Johnson. The Colts didn't respect him. No one respects him. Yet all he does is produce when given opportunity. You give Marcus Johnson snaps. Let him go run routes. He's going to score a long touchdown. He runs a 4-4-4 with a 130.4, 89th percentile burst score. And so when you look up and you see, oh, Julio Jones going to IR, who's next up on the depth chart? Oh, it's Marcus Johnson. That's why we have playerprofiler.com. And we didn't know this. We didn't know Julio was going to IR on last week's waiver wired show. So that's why you have to use your brain. That's why we have this resource called playerprofiler.com. You go, oh, oh, if I got to stream a guy in a deep league, it's going to be the dude with the Donovan Peoples-Jones level athleticism who's going to be operating as the number two, but for a better offense with a better quarterback in Ryan Tannehill than Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Same principle applies to Tyler Johnson. We're going to make Chase Claypool return. We're going to make Antonio Brown return, prove that they're healthy before we drop a Tyler Johnson or we drop a James Washington. The nice thing about Julio Jones going to IR is that you know he's going to miss three weeks and you can just keep playing Marcus Johnson in deep leagues with confidence. You love that. Jamal Agnew, oh, back to earth, vaporized in the atmosphere. Flew too close to the sun, they say. I think he's here to stay. And I'm just so out on LaVisca Chenault. I've never been more out on a receiver that I like than LaVisca Chenault. And I'd rather play Agnew, right? Well, Well, Agnew gave you the rushing touchdown, right? So he gave you fantasy points, but you look into the box score, you look at the receiving numbers, he's like, oh, he didn't do anything. But he found a way. You love that. That's what we wanted from LaVisca Chenault. I said, LaVisca, if you're not going to deliver as a receiver, rush for a touchdown. And then, and then Urban Meyer said, yeah, that, that's right. 
yeah, we have a, a, a close-to-the-line-of-scrimmage hybrid wide receiver. And if he doesn't deliver as a, a receiver that week, damn it, he'll deliver as a runner. And I was like, good, great. Okay, so it's decided. We, we all agree. LaVisca Chenault is not dead yet. And then you look up, and it's Jamal Agnew doing those things. I love that. I love Jamal Agnew. I love that he played corner and that he flamed out as a corner and he decided to come back as a, as a wide receiver. He showed that perseverance. Love that. How do you not love that? Meanwhile, LaVisca Chenault has been, it was a top high school prospect. Then he was a coveted college prospect, got overdrafted in the second round after flaming out in his final year at Colorado State. I'm so bitter about LaVisca Chenault, which makes me want Jamal Agnew all the more. I'm not bitter about Jalen Rager. I was never in on Jalen Rager, but it is nice to see Quez Watkins outplaying him week in, week out, even though he's dropping that touchdown. Oh, man. Everyone would be rushing to the waiver wire if he just squeezed that football for that touchdown. Long touchdown for Quez Watkins would have gone over 100 yards, the touchdown. Everyone would be, oh, got to get Quez Watkins. He would be number one on all waiver wire lists. But because he didn't catch that one pass, he's now forgotten. I think he'll outproduce Agnew. He'll outproduce Tyler Johnson, Marcus Johnson, the rest of the way. But because he's not producing in the box score, you don't have to prioritize him in fab bidding. You can just get him, but I want him. He's going to have boom performances. The guy has blazing speed, and there's no one else in that team that can play that role. Rager's not it. Not it. But I also like Josh Reynolds. I think Josh Reynolds is a clever stash. Like Those of us that like to think that we're smarter than other people... We're more likely to go out and, and stash a Josh Reynolds. Whereas another person who's just a little more meat and potatoes, I'm just trying to make the, the chalk moves every week, just trying to take what the defense gives me. Those people are going to go Jamal Agnew, where people like me that like to overthink it, we're going to go Josh Reynolds, swinging for that you know, team number one option. Because he would be the best receiver in that passing game when active. And it, watch for Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer should seize that number three wide receiver role in Los Angeles. And I like that. I think that of all the players we've talked about, other than Brian Edwards, Josh Palmer is technically the most proficient receiver available. You want him. It's just that he's not getting targets and he's not in consideration for most people. But he's just better than Jalen Guyton. And he's going to have a week. He's going to have a week where he establishes himself. It could be week 11. And then you look up and the snap share has jumped from you know, 30-40% to 70-80%. Because there's room in that offense for a third receiver to produce. Especially a super versatile receiver like Josh Palmer. He's reminiscent of Deontay Johnson from a couple of years ago. Kendrick Bourne had a spectacular catch. I don't know why they don't throw it to him more. I would hope that they just phase out Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is who we thought he was. He's not good, right? He's, he's the overpaid jag. Meanwhile, Kendrick Bourne was a better value in free agency than, than Nelson Aguilar. They're both overpaid, but Bourne, the better value. And he's the rightful number two receiver there. It should be Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. That, that should be the, the duo in two wide receiver sets in New England. Why it's not, I don't know. DeAndre Carter produced, which was foreseeable because they were playing Tampa and he's a starting wide receiver. Just go to the depth chart. We have a tool called the depth chart. You look up, oh, yeah, if it's not Terry McLaurin, it's probably going to be DeAndre Carter. Okay, they're playing one of the most fantasy-friendly secondaries in the NFL. 
Okay. Oh, look at player profiler. Oh, he's actually pretty explosive. Done and done. Ray Ray McLeod. He's a guy on an offense running routes. Will Ray Ray McLeod be a, a streaming option in deep leagues later this week? Probably not. Probably not. But for now, he's interesting. He was more interesting four days ago when we realized, oh, Chase Claypool's not going to play and someone's going to man that number three wide receiver role. Someone has to, right? I don't know who those guys are going to be. I don't know who next week's Ray Ray McLeod's going to be. So you need to keep paying attention to the depth charts, to the news. And when players head to IR, your first instinct should be, well, who's the next man up? And then we'll talk about it on the Starter Stream show on Sundays. We talk about these players. We talked about Ray Ray McLeod. We talked about Ben Shorenek. Those are the type of players I want to talk about. No one's asking about those players in the chat. I don't give a shit about the chat. Those are the players I want to talk about. And I'm not even going to be in the studio for the Starter Stream show next week. It's going to be Cody Carpentier. So this is such a joyful week for me. Final waiver wired show. I don't have to do another waiver wired show. Maybe ever. Maybe this is the last waiver wired show I ever do. What if I find a better host next year? Or at least an adequate host. I just may not feel like it, right? But I at least know for the next 10 months, I don't have to do a show on Tuesdays like this anymore and talk about players I don't give a shit about. Like Wayne Gallman. Oh, happy day. Happy day. Enjoy Cody this Sunday. He's actually really good at this in ways that I am not. So he knows even more about Ray Ray McLeod and he knows even more about Ben Skoranek and he knows even more about James Washington and all the potential streamers in deep leagues at wide receiver heading into week 11. He'll give you more information, more actionable usage trends heading into week 11 than I would. So enjoy it. And I'll be enjoying not doing the show. (laughs) I'm going to be loving not doing the show. I'm going to be in Mexico enjoying every second of not doing the Starter Stream show. At tight end, I can't believe Dan Arnold is still widely available. Please pick him up and stream him every week. He's the number one receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's crazy. Adam Troutman keeps getting the targets. He had a brutal offside penalty, which hurt him, but he keeps getting the targets. He keeps getting red zone targets. Boom week coming for Adam Troutman. He's going to have one of those two touchdown weeks like Tyler Conklin gave you last week. Streaming Adam Troutman. Keep streaming him based on usage. Cole Komet. I prefer Troutman over Komet. Don't fall for the Gerald Everett 8 for 8 last week. That was because Russell Wilson was getting acclimated to the position. He wasn't fully online and he was keeping the ball in the middle of the field when he tried to push the ball to the perimeter. What happened? incomplete after a full week of practice and more rehabilitation on that finger I expect Gerald Everett to go back to his three target ways so I'm not rushing out to stream Gerald Everett I might stream CJ Uzoma before Gerald Everett CJ Uzoma has these big weeks with multiple touchdowns in his range of outcomes I like CJ Uzoma this week at quarterback I don't want to bury the lead we did bury the lead Fuck it, we did bury the lead. I wanted to lead off with Cam Newton talk, and we saved it to the end of the show. But I think Cam Newton is a potential starting quarterback in the fantasy playoffs in single quarterback leagues. 
He has the best weapons of his career, and the team is still emphasizing Cam Newton runs inside the five-yard line. They brought him in for a five-yard run. They brought him in for a two-yard goal line run, and he scored. Like That was his first snap with the Carolina Panthers was a touchdown to the complete dismay of poor P.J. Walker, right? Poor guy. Guy gets him down to the goal line, and they bring in Cam Newton. How long do you think P.J. Walker is going to be the quarterback in Carolina? Watch Cam Newton be named the starter this week, if it hasn't happened already. And then Cam Newton is throwing the ball to, oh, Christian McCaffrey short, D.J. Moore intermediate, push the ball down the field to Robbie Anderson, maybe he actually catches a pass down the field for once this season. Oh, mix in a little Terrace Marshall in the slot, big slot receiver. He's never had receivers that good. Cam Newton enjoyed two whole seasons with Steve Smith and two whole seasons with DJ Moore. And he did enjoy well above average tight end play from Greg Olson. Okay. Okay, that's the list. At most, he's had one competent receiver. At most. Like, that's it. Now he has at least two in DJ Moore and... Terrace Marshall, and we'll see about Robbie Anderson. We'll see if Robbie Anderson can turn it around, and he also has Christian McCaffrey, the best receiving running back in the league, after DeAndre Swift. (laughs) So I'm going out and trying to get Cam Newton, even in single quarterback leagues. I want him, and I want to play him. Ceiling is very high. Other streaming options this week, Daniel Jones, going right back to Daniel Jones. Why? Tampa. Daniel Jones, Tampa, worst secondary in the league. He gets... Kenny Galladay back after a bye week and Saquon Barkley back. Evan Ingram's healthy, finally. So we have Ingram, Galladay, Barkley. Kadarius Toney's had an extra week to get healthy. He was banged up. So Daniel Jones has serious weapons against one of the weakest secondaries in the league, a team that also walls off opposing running backs. It's a Daniel Jones week. It's not hard. Also Mac Jones. And I like Mac Jones because he's facing a team that has a competent quarterback. So at least he's facing Matt Ryan, who can keep the game moving up and down, keep, who can maintain drives and score points and force Mac Jones to increase the tempo. Where if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're Tua, those are the other streaming options. Woof, right? Can Jacksonville and can New York keep up with the 49ers and the Dolphins? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. So you'd rather have an opposing quarterback like Matt Ryan that can help create a more friendly game environment for Mac Jones as opposed to playing Garoppolo or Tonga Veloa. I'm leaning Mac Jones among those three, but I'm prioritizing Cam Newton, of course, number one, followed by Daniel Jones. That's how you play the quarterback position if you're streaming this week. Cam Newton, of course, number one, followed by Daniel Jones. That's how you play the quarterback position if you're streaming this week. And that's the show. That's the show. We're done. It's over. Oh, baby. We did it. 
We were wavered. We were wired all season. I'm going to Mexico, baby. I'll see you people around the way. Oh, Instagram. We're doing a waiver wired show. The last waiver wired show of the year. So excited. I'm so excited. Let's go live. Let's go live, everybody. We're going to go live live now. Ready to go live live, Instagram? We're going live live. We're starting a show. We're starting a show. 45 minutes late, as usual. Oh, this is working. This is this is waiver wired. This guy could be great. Now we're talking ourselves into Matt Breida. We're waiting!